The following sermon was delivered by Senior Pastor Scott Black Johnston during morning worship at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith every Sunday on the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Midtown Manhattan. And now, here is Dr. Black Johnston. As we have wrestled with the challenges of the coronavirus through the lens of our faith, one of our loyal companions has been the book of Job. Nestled alongside the Psalms and the Proverbs in the section of the Hebrew Bible devoted to wisdom literature, the story of Job reads like a play in three acts. In Act 1, Job's life falls to pieces. Robbers steal his livestock, a fire destroys his farm, a raiding party murders his servants, members of his family are killed when a windstorm knocks down their house. Eventually, Job becomes very sick. As the curtain falls on Act 1, Job's buddies sit alongside their devastated friend in the ashes. In Act 2, things get testy. Job's friends list all the reasons they believe God has inflicted these terrors on their brother. You must have committed some hidden and hideous wrong. Job denies every charge. He declares, I'm confident that I do not deserve this. I know that my Redeemer lives. Job calls on God to take the witness stand and answer for the tragic turn his life has taken. He gets his wish. In Act 3 of this ancient drama, God shows up. After Job's friends have issued their cranky and erroneous opinions, after Job has passionately proclaimed his innocence and his frustration with how the universe is being managed, God appears. God takes the stage in the shape of all things of a whirlwind, a tornado. This is a cheeky epiphany to be sure. For millennia, people have wondered whether God is a destructive force. To answer this charge, God shows up as a tornado. As I read the passage, notice the way it appears on your screen. This part of Job is poetry, not rhyming poetry, but still poetry, emotional language, full of metaphor and repetition. What gets repeated? The answer is questions. God's poetic response to Job comes in a series of repetitive questions, questions that pile up and up like drifts of snow. Listen now for God's word to you as it echoes to us from what Tennyson called the greatest of all poems, Job, chapter 38, beginning with the first verse. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins, you mortal. I will question you, and you shall declare to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? 
Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy? Or who shut in the seas with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed bounds for it and set bars and doors and said, thus far shall you come and no farther and hear your proud waves be stopped. Who has the wisdom to number the clouds? Or who can tilt the water skins of the heavens when the dust runs into a mass and the clods cling together? Can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetites of the young lions when they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in their covert? Who provides for the raven its prey when its young ones cry to God and wander about for lack of food? Do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Do you observe the calving of the deer? Can you number the months that they fulfill? And do you know the time when they give birth, when they crouch to give birth to their offspring and are delivered of their young? This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. The book of Job wrestles with the most head-thumping theological question of all time. If a good God reigns over the cosmos, why is there suffering in the world? There are times in our lives, tough times, when this is the only question we have for our faith, for God. Why does life take brutal turns? Why does tragedy happen? Why, if you care, holy creator, do diseases sweep the land and claim our loved ones? These questions are the hub around which the story of Job revolves. In the book of Job, every character on stage takes a shot at answering humanity's questions about suffering. Job and his friends and his wife offer their opinions, their complaints, their, their theories about the world and sin and God. And then finally, when they've exhausted their voices and their arguments, a whirlwind twists into view. From out of the cyclone, a voice speaks. God puts a question to Job, and I suppose to all of us. Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Listen up, mortal, says the vortex. You'd better fasten your seatbelt, because I've been listening to your fractious debate. I've been watching you launch furious questions at heaven. And now I have a question for you. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? God's question knocks Job back a step, not because it's a stumper, 
Job knows the answer. Where was I when you created the world? I was nowhere. I was not. I didn't exist. It's not a difficult question. It's an intimidating one. It's the sort of question that ends a debate, shuts down an argument. When my children were much younger, they would often with the persistence of Job, ask me to explain the rationale behind some decision. Why can't we have another ice cream? Sometimes, in a state of parental exhaustion, I would abandon the confines of reasoned explanation and resort to a simple end-of-discussion response. Why? Because I'm the daddy, that's why. As the years went by, though, my appeals to innate authority became less and less effective. My, my kids wanted answers. They wanted honest engagement and a reasoned approach to justice. We still joke about my attempts to duck their inquiries. Now, when I assert that as the Potter Familia, my word should be law, they laugh. I'm proud of the fact that because I say so, doesn't cut it for my kids. Does it work for Job? Our tragic hero has been making a passionate case to any who will listen. I'm innocent. It's God who needs to answer for this mess. God needs to stand here and face the music. Why is there so much suffering in the world? Why have all these awful things happened to me? When the whirlwind arrives, we expect an answer. But God's comeback gives us pause. Where were you when I created all that is? What kind of response is that? Did, did the Holy One just dodge the suffering man's questions? Why are things the way they are? Because I'm the daddy, that's why. God's response feels like something out of the Wizard of Oz. It, it places us knock-kneed in the throne room of the Emerald City. Columns of fire shoot into the air as a deep voice shakes the walls. I am Oz the Great and Terrible. Who are you? Should we be picturing God's response to Job backed up by Hollywood pyrotechnics? Earlier, we observe that, that in today's passage, God plies Job with questions, poetic questions, questions that go on for pages in Scripture. These inquiries range far and, and wide. Uh, listen again to a few of them as you look at an illustration from English poet William Blake. Were you there at the dawn of creation to hear the morning stars sing? Were you present when I gave birth to the oceans? Who is it that makes rain fall in the desert? Who hears young ravens in the nest cry out for food? Do you know when mountain goats crouch to give birth? God's questions take Job on a grand tour of the natural world. From the depths of the sea where whales frolic to the savannah, where lions roar to, to nests, where, where hatchlings chirp, begging for a morsel. It, it's a breathtaking tour of the planet's wonders. 
It's also somewhat surprising. Job asks, why God? Why this suffering? And God responds by talking about ravens. Does that make sense? Have you seen the news stories about animals showing up in odd places in recent weeks? Herds of wild boar running down a road in Spain, wild turkeys on the streets of Oakland, California, a group of mountain goats sauntering through a Welsh village. Scientists remark that these animals have, of course, always been there, but now, with so many humans sheltering indoors, these creatures are venturing out of hiding. I find word of these incursions from the natural world to be welcome news in these days, a distraction from darker tidings. But is that all the natural world is? A distraction? Is God playing a shell game with Job? I know you want to know why terrible things happen to good people, but, but look over here. Isn't the world an amazing place? When human suffering is on the table, it seems absurd for God to ask if Job is familiar with the birthing schedule of mountain goats. Doesn't it? One of my family's favorite places in the whole world is the Presbyterian Retreat Center in Montreat, North Carolina. We've built a lot of memories and have a lot of friends in that lovely corner of the world. I still remember our very first visit there. I was in Montreat to, to preach at a conference. The kids were enrolled in the clubs program, think vacation Bible school on steroids. And one afternoon, my wife was enjoying some precious downtime. She was sitting on the balcony of Assembly Inn, looking out over Lake Susan and the forested hillside. As she sat there, soaking it all in, an older man approached and remarked on the view. Splendid, isn't it? How long have you been coming to Montreat? This, Amy responded, is my first visit. Oh no, he said in a stunned, almost disbelieving voice. How can you not have been to Montreat before? And with that, he began peppering her with excited questions. Have you been up Rainbow Trail? Isn't the view from Lookout Mountain marvelous? Do you like the way the air smells? H have you seen the swan? Did you know his mate died this past spring? Can you hear the, the band on the wind warming up for the barn dance tonight? Isn't it wonderful how things cool down here every night, even in July? When the whirlwind appears, Job is in a sorry state. He's questioning the way things are, but, but, but more than that, deep down in the psychological caves where despair grows, an even more profound question is taking place. Does God care? Does God care about me, my family, the world, anything? This is the moment 
the exceedingly low moment when the whirlwind's questions start to fly. God asks if Job has ever witnessed a, a choir of morning stars belting out an anthem, or, or, or if he's ever peered into the nest of raven chicks clicking their beaks for food. God confesses to watching whales dance in the sea and, and snowfall on the mountaintops. And, and as the litany goes on and on, the questions stop sounding intimidating. They sound like a man looking down at a valley he knows like the back of his hand, reveling in his chance to tell a rookie visitor all the reasons he cherishes the place. What if we hear God's response to Job, not as a dodge, not as a put down, but as a romantic poem? Where were you when I laid the foundations of a world, a place that I love so deeply? I am witness to every single thing that happens on this planet. From, from raindrops falling in the desert to the first steps of baby mountain goats. Oh, says God to Job, that you could see as I see. Of course I care. I care so deeply. I care enough to stand in the midst of this world in all its beauty and all its suffering alongside you. In this... The book of Job does not give a straightforward answer to why. Why does suffering occur? It does something else. It describes God as the one who stands with us in this and every moment, in sickness and in health, in life and in death, watching over us, suffering with us, daring us to see wild turkeys and, and mountain goats as signs of God's deep love for this world and for us. My friends, in this challenging time, approach life with peace in your hearts. Have courage. Hold fast to what is good. Return to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, honor all people, love and serve the Lord. Amen.